With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 6.30 Chad. Second period about to start. World Cup pre-tournament game, no score. North America against Europe. Connor McDavid leading all North American forwards in ice time. Six minutes and six seconds. Ryan Nugent Hopkins played 449. Of course, Connor McDavid named the captain of Team North America this afternoon. You heard uh, Peter Shirelli join me off the top of uh, Inside Sports. Uh, briefly, obviously, he was just getting ready to watch the game. As for an Oilers captain, he says they'll have one uh, during training camp, probably when McDavid gets back from playing in the World Cup. Uh, Oilers defenseman Brandon Davidson joined me uh, as well, and we had sort of uh, some highlights from the uh, Rogers Place ribbon cutting. I, I just played the Daryl Cates scrum as he uh, addressed reporters uh, after uh, the formal part of the ceremony was over. So uh, a lot going on today. Fun show, a lot to talk about. We'll get into some Eskimo Stampeders preview material when DeAnthony Batiste joins me in about half an hour, but I want to welcome to Inside Sports the host of Oilers now here on 630 Chad, it is. Oh, hang on, that's in the wrong place. Let's try this again. There we go. Now we got you, Bob. It's Bob Stoffer. How you doing, man? Well, good. I'll, I'll have to hear the uh, Daryl Cates scrum. I didn't get the opportunity to uh, join in that, so uh, we were you know, Jack Michaels and myself and Tom Gazzola that sort of uh, uh, hopped into the uh, the main part of the arena. Obviously, it's a spectacular night here at Rogers Place, and a night where a lot of people maybe didn't think that this was ever going to come to fruition, but it, it did. And uh, there's a lot of people really exciting. It is going to be a different experience for other hockey fans. I don't think there's any debate about that. Uh, and I had somebody just say to me right now uh, that it, it might be a bit of a transition the way it was for AT&T Stadium in uh, Dallas, Texas with the Cowboys, where Cowboys fans were accustomed to one thing. And then, you know, Jerry Jones stepped up and built a facility that's just off the charts. And um, some fans weren't initially warm to it, but obviously now they like the fact that they have the best football stadium in the, in the state. So uh, it is, uh, we're just sitting here in one of the suites, and I'm actually going to uh, pass the phone over uh, to uh, to a guy who has experienced something similar to uh, Daryl Cates, and that's being involved in an ownership group. So this is totally unsolicited for you, Reed. But, uh, Reed, uh, here's Cal Nichols, and I'll just get, uh, Cal, you're on with Reed Wilkins here, okay? Hello. Hi, Cal. It's Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630. Ched, uh, we are live. How are you doing? I'm good. Good. Th- Thank thanks you. a lot. Thanks a lot for joining us uh, unexpectedly here. Well, you're you're in the building. What what's your reaction, Cal? I am. Just a minute. I'd like you there for a minute. What's your reaction now that you're actually in Rogers Place and you get to see it firsthand? Well, I've lost you. Okay. All right. Cal, can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. 
Cal, it's, it's Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thanks for joining us. Now that you're actually in Rogers' place and you get to see it firsthand, uh, tell us your reaction. Hey, Reed, you were on speaker here, so try that again, okay? Okay, we're going to try one more time. <laughs> well, I'm getting good at asking this question. Uh, Cal, now that you're actually in Rogers' place and you get to see it, what's your reaction to it? Well, the place is spectacular. Uh, as you know, I've uh, I've been in almost all of the uh, of the NHL buildings, and uh, a lot of them, uh, you know, very very nice. But uh, this one, uh, it's the granddaddy of them all. It's uh, it's quite unbelievable, and uh, it's it's gonna people are just gonna it's gonna be eye popping to most people. Cal, you know, it was uh, obviously a difficult uh, process. There were some ups and downs in, uh, in in the negotiations, and you obviously had a past with the uh, being part of the Edmonton Investors Group. Uh, can you give your opinion of uh, how vital uh, uh, this rink was to there being a long-term future for the Oilers in Edmonton? For sure. I, You know, as I traveled around, one looked at all the new generation buildings around the league, and where they're located, uh, and you know, some varying examples: uh, new buildings in Florida, Ottawa, and two or three other places that they're not in the downtown. And I, and I think it's just a big mistake not being in the uh, the center core of your city, where people can walk to it. Uh, you have most of your uh, transit facilities, and uh, I think uh, this building is very very well positioned to do all all the things we thought of but uh i, I mean uh, does does i mean there's there's now the 35 year location agreement and i i know steven mandel was in studio with me on monday and you know he said there was a distinct possibility the oilers uh would have left town without this the new rink was that was that a reality um you were facing or that was in your mind when you were part of the eig you know, uh, that that went on when we bought the team. But, you know, we, uh, you know, through the period of time that EIG owned the team, I think we created a fan base that, you know, that was, uh, first of all, loyal and it was connected to all the owners at the time. And I think that it had enough momentum that it was going to survive whatever turned out. But along the way, it's going to take the effort of a lot of people to make sure that happened but I you know I'm not so sure that uh, that's where we're at but uh, you know uh, to carry on into the future uh, we we needed a first class facility and how you get there uh, can differ from city to city but uh, I I think I think the franchise was solid here Uh, there was all sorts of issues along the way like uh the U.S. dollar, the uh, the, the players' uh, agreement, but you know we, I, I credit Gary Bedman for sticking with uh, uh, Edmonton and other uh, smaller Canadian markets because by by doing that, all of a sudden we become contributors to the equalization uh, pool, and uh, you know I, this is hockey country, so this you know with the right management the right circumstances this was going to work here right on cal thanks for doing this uh, unexpectedly is bob still within earshot he is yes <laughs> cal thanks for joining me good to talk to you again yeah you too
All right, that's uh, uh, great. I, I figured you might as well have a guy that was in the trenches there and uh, fighting to keep the team alive and, and, and helping, you know, uh, the owners get to this place. I mean, the the original discussion on a, a new building started in 2007, actually predated, and, you know, Daryl started pursuing the team in 2005, Kalia, going back to then. And that 05, 06 year is probably the most rewarding year for the guys in the EIG. And, uh, you know, Daryl Cates really amped up their pursuit of the team in 07, 08. And, was uh, Cal was Gerald's governor for a couple of years, so I figured he'd be as good a guy as any that could maybe reflect on just how remarkable it is that we're at this place right now in this building. Off the charts. Yeah, well, I mean, Bob, you've, you've, you and I have been in there before. I obviously wasn't there today as I was getting ready for Inside Sports, but, but I actually was telling Jalen and Andrew, I, I haven't been in Fort Hall where most of the okay. stuff went on today. So what give people a sense of what that is like, because that's going to be how a lot of patrons are, are entering the building here in the weeks to come. Yeah, I, again, I'm just going to reiterate, I think that the, a lot of the hardcore fans are going to be sort of a little bit shocked when they first come in because it's such a good... The amount of room in the foyers, uh, the, the amenities that are available, you bet you come in a, you know, Fort, Fort Hall and it's going to be a meeting place and there's going to be some things built into that. Reed, my guess is at one point, you and Rob, Rob Brown will be doing the face-off show there. You know, like that's where you guys are going to be end up doing your pregame show during the playoffs. And it's going to be a party palace, you know, and then you come to a building and it's just, you know, from, you know, we're in one of those suites right now. You can figure out who's we're in. And <laughs> based on who we had last year, and uh, you know, it, just the the room and and everything that's built into it, and um, the theater seats and the loge seats that are it, it's the best I can explain this for people that have been privileged enough. And we've done orders now road trips to L.A. and to Pittsburgh. To me, it's like a combination of L.A. and Pittsburgh. It's taken the best thing out of out of a lot of those buildings. And L.A., I think Staples Center, and I've been in suites in the Staples Center. In fact, often with Scotiabank because they put on events there with us, and and it's it's a pretty remarkable experience, and it it, it isn't like anything Edmontonians have had before. And I think when people come on Saturday, Reed, I'm not sure if you're doing a an hour or two down here, they're they're they're, they're going to just be like, oh my god, like it's it's almost like you know we talked about this before, Reed. Like we have people in Edmonton that say, ah, oh, well you know Rex, you know the old Rexall place was good enough. You know what? No, it wasn't. It was time for a change. And every detail, and if you had any dealings at all with Daryl Cates, you'd understand that, you know, when he pursues something, he, he wants things done a specific way. And so that relationship with the city and the vision that the builders had with PCL, I, I think it's I, I think it's been reached here. And so Fort Hall is a, a part of that process. But huge open area, wonderful gathering place. There was a lot going on. This was good. Yeah. Bob Stoffer joining us inside sports on 630 Chad Bob at Rogers Place. Uh, I'll just quickly update Bob. Nathan McKinnon has a goal. North America leads Europe 1 nothing tune up game in uh, the World Cup. I mentioned Peter Shirelli joined me briefly and uh, said, you know, they just thought McDavid was the best choice for captain, and he uh, gave me the uh, obvious deflection answer about when uh, an Oilers captain will be named and, and who, who it will be. But uh, uh, it's interesting on the text line, uh, most listeners in favor of McDavid being captain of the Oilers. I'm getting some too young comments or or, or things like that. But, uh, but we also had Brandon Davidson on. You're going to like this quote. He's uh, Davidson on McDavid. He's the driving force behind our whole team. Yeah, well, he gets in. Brandon, Brandon Davidson has to will himself for, for everything that he's got out of his career. He's represented by David Kaye, who, interestingly enough, Reed, uh, represents Christopher Steak. Keep that in mind. 
for a potential PTO. And, uh, you know, because well, I have a feeling that they, you know, knowing the guys from the Sports Corporation with uh, Jerry Johansson and Stephen Kopowitz and uh, David Kay, I think that they're going to be smart enough to target a place where Prestige has a chance for a job. You know, so I think they got Edmonton on the radar screen. I'm not saying they're necessarily coming, but I believe Edmonton's uh, going to be an option for them that they might consider with Chris Versteeg. And you got Brandon Davidson, you know, he knows it. He's in that room. He feels it. And so that, that, that doesn't surprise me in the least that he feels that McDavid's the driver for the team because you and me watch him on a nightly basis and we know who the driver is. All right, Bob, I know it's a busy and exciting time down there, so thanks for coming on. Thanks for getting Cal Nichols on Spur of the Moment. That was really cool, and I will I'm see you sorry. tomorrow, man. So, I, I just want to apologize. Uh, you know, I, I, I looked at another option for you as well, but we couldn't quite make that happen. But you know what? If there's any guy that understands the history and the context and how it's, uh, you know, a lot of different things came together and how we ended up to this point, you, you can't ever forget the past. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Bob, thanks, man. Have a great night. I'll see you here at the shop tomorrow, okay? Thank you, bud. That is Bob Stoffer checking in. He's on tomorrow noon to 2. Oilers now right here on 6.30. Chad Cal Nichols joining us as well from the uh, Edmonton Investors Group. He, he had a little, uh, well, not a little, he had a lot different uh, answer from Stephen Mandel on Monday, and uh, Mandel said there was a, a, a decent chance that the Oilers move without a new rink. Uh, Cal Nichols thinks that the team would have been able to survive, but obviously Cal also saying that uh, it would have been a mistake to not build a downtown arena if you were going to build a new rink in Edmonton. It's happened. It's called Rogers Place, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins has just scored for Team North America. They go up 2-0 on Europe in a pre-tournament game in Quebec City. We'll keep you updated on that one. DeAnthony Batiste from your Edmonton Eskimos still to come too. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos. And you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. So Nugent Hopkins scores 2-0 North America over Europe. 12 minutes left in the second period. NFL tonight, early second quarter. Denver, Carolina tied 7-7. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chad. One of the highlights on our station today during Oilers Now, Wayne Gretzky called in to Bob Stoffer after skating on the ice at Rogers Place. The ice is probably pretty good. The guy skating on it wasn't quite as good as it used to be, but, uh, you know, it's pretty spectacular. The, uh, the whole atmosphere and ambiance of the building, uh, it's a pretty special place, and uh, I think a place that Edmontonians are going to be very proud of. I don't know if you'd recall the uh, this uh, interview that you and me did back in 2007, you were coaching Arizona and we had you on uh, one of our shows talking about, uh, you know, Daryl Cates and uh, potentially one day owning the Edmonton Oilers. And you said to me, it goes beyond potentially owning the team that, you know, Daryl Cates will exceed the expectations is what you said of Edmontonians. And do you think something like this coming to fruition with Rogers place, the revitalization of a downtown at Edmonton, is that, did you, did you have an idea? That's kind of what he had in mind at that time? Or, 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 you know, you're, you're a great player. You're always about three paces ahead of everybody else. Were you a decade ahead of everybody else on the building front? Oh, no, no, not really. But, you know, 
I just, uh, we've known Daryl for a long time, and we knew that uh, his involvement in the Edmonton Oilers was not going to be just with the hockey team itself, but with the uh, uh, facelift of an entire arena organization, and as you said, downtown center. Um, you know, the, the the arena itself is so spectacular. I can't even I can't even describe it to people. I've had the opportunity to go through it a couple times now. Um, and it pretty, it's pretty overwhelming. Um, and now it's ex- obviously it's exciting that uh, the you know the young talent that the team has now that hopefully um, the the light is at the end of the tunnel as far as getting the team in the right direction, winning some playoff games, and ultimately winning another Stanley Cup. So without question, uh, they put their best foot forward here. This is pretty spectacular. Wayne, you were uh, you know you were part of the reason why LA uh, you know. And, and granted, the Lakers played a huge part in that as well. But you know, Staples Center and the, that whole district came together, and it was uh, a completely different experience than going to the old Great Western Forum, which frankly wasn't that great at times. Uh, <laughs> uh, how you know you you traveled all over the world? Is this a building that can uh, match up uh, against any building in the world from your perspective? Oh, without question, and and you know. Uh, we were talking about this the other day. Places like the old Montreal Forum and Maple Leaf Gardens and Chicago Stadium, um, Buffalo Auditorium, the LA Forum. It was sad to see those places go. Uh, the Edmonton Coliseum. It, it's it's disappointing and it's sad when you know there's so much history there and, and the atmosphere was so uh, spectacular. Um, but times change, and you know the Air Canada Center now in Toronto, and the Molson Center. In Montreal, and now of course um, this Rogers Center here in, in Edmonton, and yet <clears throat> I've been in some beautiful buildings, and I've yet to see one that uh, that kind of matches up to this building. I I think they've thought of everything. Plus, uh, the atmosphere, uh, the room that's in there, the the seating itself. Uh, I just think the entire project is just spectacular, and you know, it's something that people will be talking about in this country, not just Edmonton and Alberta. But I think Canadians will be talking about what a great project it is. We're joined by Wayne Gretzky, Bob Stoffer with you in Oilers. Now, Wayne, I'd be remiss without asking you at least one question about the World mm-hmm. Cup of Hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned Connor McDavid and, and some of those electrifying young players. McDavid and Nugent Hopkins on that uh, U24 team. I mean, you got you you played with uh, two of my favorite players of all time, Lafleur and Gilbert Perot in a line in 81. Unfortunately, Perot got hurt that year. But mm-hmm. how do you think these U24 guys, North American U24, 24 guys are going to do in the World Cup of Hockey? <laughs> well, I think we're all anxious to find out. Um, I'm not sure if anybody's got a handle on this. We know one thing, they're definitely loaded with talent and skill. Um, they lack, obviously, a little bit of experience, and, and uh, that may become an issue as the tournament moves along, but uh, you can make up uh, experience with enthusiasm and hard work and desire. And with players like Connor and uh, Nusser Hopkins, as you said, and uh, the goaltending that they're probably going to get is going to be better than they probably anticipated last February or March when they're putting this team together. But I think they're going to be a tough team to beat. I think they're going to be a tough opponent. And, uh, you know, the good thing about a tournament like this is the teams like Canada and the U.S., Sweden, the Russians, you know, the top teams, they're not going to take anybody for granted. They're not going to take anybody lightly. So it should be a heck of a tournament. I'm looking forward to it. It should be a lot of fun. Your brother, Keith has charted 
figured out his own path, Wayne, right? Mm-hmm. He's yeah. he, Just your thoughts. Uh, he worked with Peter for a number of years, and he's come aboard and joined the Oilers at this time, and uh, he must be incredibly proud. But i got to re- re- uh, you know, reinforce that, his own path along the way. Yeah. He really has. He's just really worked hard at it. He's got a passion for the game of hockey. Um, he knows and understands the work ethic that's involved in, in uh, uh, getting players and the players that come to, to have to have that same work ethic. And as you said, he's really curved his own path. You know, he did a nice job for the Boston Bruins and he worked with Peter in, in Boston. And I know he was ecstatic when Peter called him in uh, early July or whenever it was that he had gotten permission to talk to, to Keith from the Bruins. So I know he's really fired up about it. And uh, this is a great opportunity for him. And, you know, I just think the future is so bright for this franchise. And I know we've over the years commented on that very subject, uh, but I think right now uh, there's no question that this is one of the better young teams in hockey, and I think they, uh, the, the sky is the limit for this group. And, you know, you see them play and you see the enthusiasm they have. I hope they have a great year. That is Wayne Gretzky earlier today on Oilers Now in conversation with Bob Stoffer. We're coming up to 7.30. Now 3-0 North America leading Europe in the World Cup tune-up game. Nugent Hopkins has one of the goals. DeAnthony Batiste from the Eskimos offensive line when we get back. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6.30 Chet. Well, Mike Riley and the Eskimos hard at work. They got to go up against the 8-1-1 Calgary Stampeders on Saturday. The Brick Field at Commonwealth Stadium. 3.30 for the pregame show here on 6.30, Chet. 5 o'clock for the opening kickoff. In a couple of minutes, we will bring in one of the members of Riley's offensive line. That is DeAnthony Batiste. Always good to have him on the show. Uh, so the goals, the, the latest goal scorer, Johnny Goudreau for Team North America. Nugent Hopkins had the uh, second goal and uh, the opening goal from Nathan McKinnon tonight. 3-0 North America leading Europe. 4.40 left in the second period in Quebec City. Canada and the United States will play tomorrow. Earlier today, Finland beat Sweden 3-2 in overtime. That game was in Helsinki. In St. Petersburg, Russia, the home team, knocked off the Czech Republic 4-3. Your scoreboard, as always, courtesy of Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, you can visit crystalglass.ca. Carolina, Denver. Opening night, National Football League 7-7. Eight and a half minutes left in the second quarter. There, uh, obviously, a Super Bowl rematch. Minus... Peyton Manning, Trevor Simeon, the new quarterback for the Broncos. Interesting to see how he's going to do. Um, Blue Jays off. They're a game back of Boston in the American League East. Russell Martin now day-to-day with uh, a knee injury. Okay. You can always text us at 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. We're going to bring in from the Edmonton Eskimos offensive tackle, DeAnthony Batiste. DeAnthony, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. It's my pleasure to be here. Always a pleasure to be in with you, Matt. Yeah, good to talk to you. How, how's uh, how's this week for you? How's the how's the body holding up through this very short turnaround in between a couple of games that are always very intense? Uh, it's holding it's up very well. Um, you know, we do a good job with the training staff of keeping us fresh and, you know, and obviously monitoring reps throughout the week and, you know, doing everything we can to get our legs back, you know, because of the short week. So doing everything we can, you know, cold, southern contrast, and whatever we got to do to make sure we're ready to go for this Saturday. 
was a shorter turnaround between games new to you when you came to the CFL? Because I know NCAA usually plays on Saturdays, and uh, the NFL is usually uh, obviously a Sunday league, though sometimes teams might go Sunday, Thursday. Was that that an adjustment for you when you came to the CFL? Uh, Not as much of an adjustment because I was used to playing uh, quick turnarounds on Thursdays, so the simulation of you know, playing Sunday, Thursday was was something I was familiar with. So, you know, we uh, took the same approach as we're taking now is uh, do everything we can, you know, take a, a lot of the uh, hitting on uh, hitting guys in practice and getting our reps against each other, actual physical reps. Uh, we cut those down and just do everything we can, and you know, just to keep each other fresh throughout the week and emphasize on just recovery and get still getting plays in, still getting the reps and the look speed need to get in to see from the other defense and the opponent and still make sure we do everything we can to make sure we're fresh. Right. All right. So you're facing Calgary again, and uh, look, uh, they con- I thought they controlled most of the game uh, Monday. What, what do you guys have to they do? Did. <laughs> right. So what, what do you guys have to do uh, uh, differently on, on Saturday to, to turn the scoreboard around? Well, to be t- totally honest with you, uh, we have to, if you look at the statistics, we have to be better on first down. Uh, we got to keep our offense out of second and long positions and be more efficient on first down so we keep ourselves from being backed up and having to convert long, long conversions on second down. And if we can do that, obviously we can be more efficient. Uh, the, the Calgary defense, they're having obviously a good, well, the whole team's having a good year, but, but their defense is having an especially good year. What, from what you went through in the trenches on Monday, what, what makes their defense a tough one? Uh, just a different look that they present to you. Uh, obviously, communication is the biggest thing. Being able to communicate the front and before the ball snap, each guy knowing exactly where you got to go and being able to relay that from guard to tackle. And if we can do that, um, it helps us be more efficient and be more confident in the job and the guys we have to pick up when he's down. But, you know, they're a good defense, and obviously they're buying into their defensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. So we obviously have to be clued in and just be able to maintain our composure in pressure situations. Eskimos offensive lineman DeAnthony Batiste joining us on Inside Sports. He's getting ready to face the Calgary Stampeders Saturday, the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium. Of course, we'll have it for you right here on uh, on 6.30, Chet. Um, you know, I had uh, you and Tony Washington were kind enough to drop in after week three. You guys had beaten Winnipeg to go to 2-1. To and one. Um, uh, I know then you guys spoke pretty highly of Jason Moss and, and where this team could go offensively in terms of continuing to evolve and continuing to attack. We've certainly seen um, spurts of it. I mean, the first half against uh, uh, Hamilton, uh, you know, you guys played three pretty good quarters uh, against Saskatchewan the, the the previous Friday. How do you feel that offensive development is coming along, DeAnthony? It's still coming along. Um, you know, we obviously, uh, the battle for Alberta, you know, we're two opponents that are very familiar with each, with each other and personnel-wise from over the years. So we're doing a good job of developing, coming along with communication and obviously evolving within our offense. But you just can't get, you know, caught up in, you know, the, the fact of, you know, one game, you know, here, one game there, you know, and it looks like you know, the offensive production actually, you know, wasn't very good this past week. But that comes down to us as an offense, keeping ourselves out of second and long. If we can keep ourselves out of second and long, we can be more efficient and it's easier to convert on second down. So 
yeah, I think we're coming along very well. It's just obviously just as uh, as an offense, just making sure we stay out of second and long, and they'll make us more efficient. I want to ask, you know, early, early in the season, uh, you guys lost Justin Sorensen for a couple of games, and, and it shook up the uh, some of the positions there on the uh, on on the offensive line. And, and it, it seemed, you know, during those games, maybe you guys didn't protect as well you had in early parts of the season. Does that, and now you, maybe you didn't feel that way, but does that speak to how you need that continuity and maybe to, to you know, Justin's importance and having everybody sort of where they quote-unquote belong on that line? Oh, I agree. I agree. I mean, being able to keep guys in their original positions, obviously what we're familiar with, um, obviously is, you know, a big bonus and, and, and nothing but, nothing but, you know, production-wise, nothing but something that can obviously help an offensive line keep guys more comfortable in their in their home position. But as a team, we have to be able to adjust because that can happen throughout the course of the game, throughout the course of the year. And guys have to be able to step in. I think in that aspect, we did a good job. Um, and But at the same time, you know, keeping a guy in his home position, which he's more familiar with, is obviously, you know, better than having guys playing from, you know, coming moving down from a guard and then just plugging the guy in. But good teams are, are able to do that with, you know, with efficiency. So being able to be efficient in that is obviously something that we have to do. Anthony Batiste from the Edmonton Eskimos joining us on Inside Sports. Um, you know, Mike Riley's had had a, had a pretty good year. Uh, I know he's he's a quarterback. You guys, uh, you know, always seem to really support and are, and are very proud of. I mean, he was the MVP of the Great Cup game last year. Uh, he's also a guy that, that that is able to scramble a little bit and make plays. What 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 is it like blocking for Mike and knowing that sometimes? okay, maybe he's moving somewhere that I didn't expect him to move to during the course of a play. Well, well you know, I, I enjoy uh, blocking for Mike. Uh, that's that's something that is something that can be covered by an offensive lineman. Being able to uh, have a quarterback in an escape situation that could obviously could have been a sack, could have been a pressure. And that's one thing you have to kind of use the pressure of the defensive lineman, knowing if, okay, this guy's rushing, you know, my outside shoulder. But then all of a sudden, you feel him kind of, you know, giving up. Okay, now there's not any pressure on my outside hand. What's going on behind me? And you kind of have to be conscious. Just, okay, well, i got to let him go because whenever a quarterback gets outside the pocket, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of things can happen. And, you know, hands inside is obviously something that you always is always being looked at. And you always have to keep that in mind. But, man, I love blocking for Mike. It makes it harder on defense and harder on defensive linemen to obviously – just take a straight pass to the quarterback whenever you know a guy obviously has the ability to move his feet and make plays with his feet. What did you think of that touchdown he scored against Saskatchewan where it looked like he was half a yard <laughs> short and he reached over the goal line as he was falling out of bounds? Hey, that guy's the leader of our offense. That, that, and, and that is an testament to his drive and the toughness of Mike Riley. It's something that you know we try to preach is toughness, mental toughness, physical toughness. And a guy that's willing to just sell himself out and give his all to be able to just say, you know what, I'm going to take it on my shoulders and I'm going to do what i got to do to make sure our offense gets in the end zone. Whenever you see that, that does nothing but fire you up and make you want to push harder to block for a guy like that. It's just willing to sell out, do everything he can just to make a team better. All right, and DeAnthony, I, before I let you go, uh, i got to ask you, 
Uh, the the NFL season is starting tonight. Uh, I mean, you were on a few uh, NFL uh, rosters. Uh, obviously, uh, you know Denver, Atlanta, a couple other teams as well. Uh, right. I, I, I assume you have a high level of interest in that in that league as well. Do you have a Super Bowl prediction that we can take to the bank here, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Um, if we're looking at the two teams that were in it towards the end. Um, I would have to say that, you know, the Carolina Panthers, they haven't had a lot of transitions throughout the offseason. They've kept their team together, and that's obviously something that is huge for a team being able to come back, bring all the guys back, all the guys that are familiar with playing with each other. And I think Carolina Panthers are going to be a team to watch in the Super Bowl prediction, for sure. Well, DeAnthony, enjoy the game tonight, and, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun on Saturday. Hopefully you guys bounce back and uh, flip the tables here on a a very good Stampeders team. It's always great to have you on the show, man. All right. My pleasure to be here, and I enjoy it. Just let me know. <laughs> Will do, DeAnthony. Great to interview him. DeAnthony Batiste, offensive lineman for your Edmonton Eskimos, and he certainly was emphasizing first down production. He felt they were in second long way too often against the Stampeders on Labor Day Monday, and uh, you can tell that they, they certainly rally behind Mike Riley. Calgary's tough. They're going to have to protect Riley, give him time to throw. They need some bigger plays on offense, too. It is Inside Sports on 630 Chat. It is 745. You can always text 630-630. You can... Uh, Email inside sports at 630ched.com. The phone number 780-496-0063. The Eskimos will be wearing their, what do you call those? The signature jerseys? The third jerseys, basically, that they unveiled last year with the large EE on the helmet. Eskimos down the side of the pan. I don't mind those, actually. I kind of wish they had a, a larger number on the front, but I didn't mind the, the look of those as an alternate jersey. 3 nothing North America leading Europe World Cup of Hockey tune-up game now through two periods of play. We'll keep you updated on that one, uh, keeping an eye on this one. And North America has pretty much been controlling the game. No points for Connor McDavid. Ryan Nugent Hopkins has a goal. Lots more to come. We'll talk a little uh, university football with Chris Morris from the Golden Bears. Oh, and country music star Brett Kissel will join us later on as well. It's Inside Sports, 630 Chet. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Place open, open house on Saturday. Uh, again, I got a ticket update from the city lake this afternoon. Man, a lot of you got plans for uh, 60 to 90. Well, the tour is supposed to take 60 to 90 minutes. 56,878 tickets claimed for the Rogers Place open house. I, I will make this prediction as a uh, as a longtime Edmontonian myself. I've lived here most of my adult life, and even as a youth, I often came to the city. I, I think a lot of you are going to have to get used to uh, walking a little more, using transit, not parking as close as you want to all the time to where you're going but that's life sometimes in a in a larger city and Edmonton's getting a little bigger all the time Dennis is on the open line at 780-496-0063 Dennis I appreciate that you called what's going on hey I'm just wondering uh, more of a I guess more of a pondering than anything else why the S didn't start Shaquem Bell uh, against the Stamps because uh, hey CFL player of the week uh, you know it didn't seem to make much sense but I thought he would have been a good counter to the big bruising uh, Jerome Messam. Well, good question because you're right. Bell had a huge game against Saskatchewan. I think Jason Moss is thinking John White's the guy. 
he you don't you don't lose your job because you miss one game because of an injury it's tough to have them both on the roster because of the canadian american uh ratio issue dennis he you know i've been thinking a lot about shakir bell and you're not the first person to ask me this is is it time to make him the starter now you obviously watch a lot of football i assume you watch a lot of eskimos shakir shakir bell was an eskimo last year did he blow your socks off at any point yeah, he did. I thought he was uh, he was a, a an excellent athlete, and you know he gets the big boys in front of him moving, and it seemed to me that they were they were sitting back a bit, you know, and to get a a good darter like that would have got those guys in the game a little more aggressive earlier on. I think this is the thing for me with Shakir Bell with Dennis, and I'm probably being overly picky here, but sometimes it's my job you have to do that, especially when you talk for three hours at a time. Uh, Shakir Bell. Yeah. Jumped jumped in against Ottawa last year, rushed for 144 yards. The next week against Winnipeg, he had 95. Then he had 29, 70, 24, minus 3 in a game, 64, 23, 45. Then he got back up to 91, and then he had a 51-yard game. So he had a good per yard. He rushed for 5.1 per carry. It's not bad. Here's my thing about Bell. I think he's he's good at, at spinning to the outside and kicking running plays to the outside and, and getting outside the tackles. I don't know how well that works against a better defense like Calgary that can take away a lot of your options. I think the Eskimos see White as as a guy who can run harder in between the tackles in terms of the way the play is designed. And I also think they think White is a better blocker. And you know how much they've stressed that over the last couple of years. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't dispute any of that. I mean, and I'm not the coach, and I'm, I'm not the one that's going to be living and dying by those decisions. I'm just, I'm just thinking that when he goes in there, his ability to get, you know, a couple of those big gains. And, you know, John White, when he was initially with the S, was doing that and then suffered that injury. And, uh, you know, I think those big boys up front, once they get that adrenaline going, it's all a game of momentum, right? Once you establish that, you're gone. Yeah, well, and and here and here's some of the criticism that Jason Moss has faced about the use of John White this season is have they stuck with White enough deeper into games? And Dennis, obviously you watched on Monday, and I thought in the first half Jerome Messam had a couple decent runs, but I thought, you know, the Eskimos defense, they're being pretty physical on them. Uh, I don't mind what they're doing with Messam so far. And then Messam owned the last quarter and a half, I thought. He was oh, far and away the best player on the field. Absolutely. So, that, there, there was no catching that momentum once it was lost in that game. You could see it, you know. Uh, you could just see it, you know, the big offensive line, just, you know, the – you know, you get those guys going and you get them pounding on the, the, the defensive line of Calgary, and all of a sudden that momentum starts to shift. Yeah. You know? Well, they did. They did. They didn't control the line on either sides of the ball, and I think, uh, and I, I think Jason Moss has done a good job with the passing game, and I and I think Riley has developed as a quarterback, and I I, I know maybe fans don't want to hear that when they're five and five, but I, but I do think there's been some steps there. I guess the thing for Jason Moss is is if they're down ten points in the third quarter, you still got to call a running play to John White on first down, right? You can't just for, you can't forget about him. You can't forget him. Yeah, yeah, that's what they, they tend to do. Uh, and the other thing, of course, is like uh, maybe it's not like hockey, but you always go with your hot goaltender, right? 
Yeah, well, fair enough. That would have been an argument to keep Bell in for sure. Hey, Dennis, yeah. i got to run for the news, but okay, uh, I hope you enjoyed DeAnthony Batiste, and thanks for calling in. Oh, yeah, he's always, he's always wonderful to, to listen to. All right, see you, Dennis. That is Dennis at 780-496-0063. Well, and you know what? It, it, Dennis's point ties into the Anthony Batiste point. Production on first down. And in the CFL, I mean, there is not as much running, quite frankly, on either side of the border as, as there used to be in football. But, you know, you can't have second and seven, second and eight, second and ten all the time. And the Eskimos were in that situation a lot against the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm still at the point where I prefer White over Bell, me personally. But I, I can't deny Bell's had some explosive games for sure. All right, uh, speaking of running the football, the U of A Golden Bears football team had a big game along the ground in their season opener against UBC. Didn't get the win. Now they're back home. We're going to tee it up for you with Chris Morris, former Eskimo, who's the head coach of the Golden Bears. Brett Kissel, still ahead, country music star, huge Oilers fan. He's going to join us in the final hour, too. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.